welcome back, listener. This is another time where we're headed to Hollywood to see what's on the silver screen. This is about movie time, and I am your host, Ty, here with my co-host, Justin. Hello. He is conveniently sitting in his comfortable couch across the room from me. Yes, I am. And why do they call it the silver screen? Because uh, back in the day, the screen was actually silver. They uh, It reflected the, uh, the uh, film showed up better on a silver uh, wall instead of a white one. But don't you think it's time we change it to the white screen? Yeah, it's, it's overdue. That's what I figured, because I don't think it was silver as long as it's been white. That's very true, because I mean, when we talk about the silver screen, this is like Charlie Chaplin days and Buster yeah. Keaton. Yeah. Yeah, so anyways, uh, what movie are we going to review tonight? Uh, we're going back to 1969, a Paul Newman, Robert Redford classic. Let me guess. Let me guess. Go ahead. Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Absolutely right. You know how I knew that? I had no idea. Okay. Because we kind of planned it. Oh, we did. And yeah. yeah it's like they're on the top of the, the notes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, directed by George Roy Hill. This yes. was this movie was directed, and it didn't need to be. You know, I tell you, my nickname is actually Butch. Aha! Uh-huh. And I have a friend, a really good friend in high school. Isn't it amazing that I have a friend? I'm glad you have friends. Uh, in high I school, <laughs> well, I'm your friend. Tom. Yeah, I know you're you're the one. <laughs> uh, his nickname was Billy, and that's because mm-hmm. when we were both uh, sophomores in high school, I did a huge report on Butch Cassidy. He oh. did a huge report on Billy the Kid, nice. and so ever since I've been Butch, and he's been Billy, and so, so yeah, you're you're well steeped on the history of Butch Cassidy. Then. Of course, I am. I've read a lot of books about Butch Cassidy, including local author Lee Nelson's Cassidy book, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, which was an excellent book. Yeah. Uh, I've read that one myself, and it's not a bad read. Um, no. Pre- pretty good. Uh, pretty, uh, what, close to the the storyline of his Yeah, life. I mean, it's fictionalized a little bit, obviously. But, um, you know, Lee Nelson had, I love his books. Mm-hmm. You know, the Storm Testaments. Yeah. They're excellent reads. So. Yes, they are. But anyways, I'll, I'll let you get back to your uh, movie here that we're. Yeah. So, um this is a, a, a biography of um, Butch Cassidy, who um, the true to life character is played by Paul Newman. Uh, Paul Newman was 44 years old when uh, this movie was made. Robert Redford is a bit younger than Paul Newman. He was only 33. And that's why he's still alive. He is. Yeah. Um, yeah. 10 years younger than Paul Newman and I'm a little surprised but I guess I shouldn't be too surprised it's uh, salad dressing ages you it does evidently because while Paul Newman it seems like in this movie he has gray hair doesn't he or does he I think Paul Newman had gray hair from the day he was born probably he he always seems like he's about 50 years old he does no matter what movie and Catherine Ross was 29 yeah and Mm -hmm. she's kind of hottie Yes, she was. Yeah, I mean, and she's still alive, too. Yes, she is. Which would uh, make her, strong. I mean, she'd be in her 80s. Yeah, you know, she's in her 80s, 80s right now. Yeah. Um, also, um, coincidentally, in this movie, Ted Cassidy. Um, Ted Cassidy, who is not of any relation to Butch Cassidy, <laughs> but uh, he is, um, he plays the, the role of Harvey Logan. Yes. The member of the gang that challenges Butch, and he's a, a very imposing um, persona. Yeah, he's Six, almost seven foot tall, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's uh, way up there. Six foot nine. Yeah. Yeah, plenty tall. Um, and famously, you would probably recognize him as Lurch from the Adams Family. Yes, everybody loves Lurch. Yep. So that's what, you know, he's in this movie. Um, you might not know it, but now you do. He doesn't look quite like Lurch. No, he doesn't. Movie. He doesn't. In fact, uh, he's he's very well spoken. Whereas Lurch is, you know, you ring sort of thing. But, yeah, uh, he's he's got that deep, deep voice, and uh, yeah, he he's quite well spoken about uh, challenging Butch Cassidy. But I'm kind of getting ahead of ourselves into the plot. Um, there are a couple of people that make uh, 
that make their appearances, people that weren't necessarily so well known at the time. Uh, one of those is Cloris Leachman. Did you remember her in this movie? I did. Yep. Yeah. She plays uh, one of the brothel workers that's uh, getting it on with um, uh, Butch Cassidy while Sundance is watching out the window for the advancing posse. Um, also, a young Sam Elliott plays the role of card player number two at the very opening scene. You know, the funny thing is I've seen this movie a few times, mm -hmm. and this last time I watched it, I found out that Sam Elliott was in it and, mm -hmm. and did find him, but I never never noticed that before. Yeah, never noticed it, did you? And yeah. I, you know, I just watched it like last week, and I, I didn't notice it. I remembered that he was in there, but I forgot to look for him. Yeah, I, I looked for him because I knew he was in there, but yeah, yeah interesting. So so it was uh, released in September of 1969 mm -hmm. with a budget of $6 million, yeah. and it uh, crushed at the box office, it, didn't it? It did very well at the box office. It, it brought in $102 million. So that's what um, Hollywood has always been about, is trying to figure out how to get a, a bigger return than your investment. So did you know this was the number one movie in the U.S. in 1969? I didn't know that. And let me give you one other fact I know about this mm -hmm. movie. It was the number seven movie of the year in France in 1969. I did read that stat yeah. while I was doing my research, yes. Yes, So, which I thought that was really strange. Yeah, it's really interesting. The French were big into um, a Western. I think they were <laughs> upset that uh, Butch and Sundance fled to Bolivia, and the, not, not France. Most of, yeah, most of the, um, well, most of the critics were upset by that but it's true to life well yeah exactly but, and yeah. but i mean if oliver stone would have filmed it he could have had him flee uh flee to anywhere they chose oh exactly they would have they would have fled somewhere underground yes yeah so but you know anytime you get an oliver stone film as though it may be entertaining it yeah. generally uh takes whatever truth exists in it and <laughs> goes right out the window yeah, this movie was, the writing of it was loosely based on history, so they wanted to give you kind of a uh, a novel-type approach to history, something that's based on a true story, but not necessarily tied so tightly to the story that you're going to get in trouble for uh, misportraying it. Yeah. And they did a good job. Um, so, th I mean, this is... Uh, <laughs> This movie, while it didn't have a lot of love from its critics at, when it was released, it shot up on Rotten Tomatoes. I mean, this is one of the top, um, let's see, which was it? So this is the, um, one, number 11, I think, of the top Westerns of all time. I was thinking seven. Seventh, that's right. Yes. You it were thinking seven, 11, I, yeah, I get it, yeah. Yeah, but it was like, yeah. This thing was way up on the, the charts. People love this movie, and the critics thought, "Oh, well, it, you know, this isn't the the John Wayne type western where you know the tough guy always you know stands up and fights." And Thank God. Oh, exactly. People, this is a great movie of the '60s. Yeah, it's an excellent movie. I, I mean, I'll be honest with you, Robert Redford is one of my favorite actors. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not huge Paul Newman fan, mm -hmm. but. The few, you know, this cool hand Luke, mm -hmm. uh, bullet. Yeah. Sorry. That's Steve McQueen. Yeah. And Steve McQueen was almost in this. Yes, he was. That's, yeah. that's where I was getting at. Mm -hmm. So in fact, he was cast in it. Yeah, he was. And, and then, uh, he and Newman, they ran into some disagreements yeah. on how they were going to play this. So he was going to be the Sundance kid. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, it seems like Paul Newman was always slated to be Butch Cassidy. There wasn't any question there. There was some other people that were considered for the roles of Sundance, uh, even at a place. Um, Catherine Ross wasn't the shoe in. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they did consider Steve McQueen. Also, Warren Beatty. And uh, probably the first and foremost pick from the studio was Jack Lemmon. This would have been a very different movie with uh, I was thinking any of those in Walter there. Matthau. As uh, well was up for a part in this movie. He probably was. I can't remember what what part, but yeah, I, it seems like I read something about that. But, yeah, but Jack know, Lemon, he's like, oh no, I've I've already played uh, different characters that were just like Sundance, so I'm not going to do that one. I'm just like, 
Wow. <laughs> Interesting. I've already done that. I don't want yeah, to do and you know what he played? What? I can't think of it. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. I mean, he, he was ass. probably in some stupid Western, and he's like, oh, yeah, I've done a cowboy movie before. Yeah, he was probably in a Western with John Wayne. Hey there, cowboy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My pants are too short, and I'm yeah. going to beat everybody up because... Because yeah. I'm the, the Duke. Because I'm... Yeah. King Tut or whatever mm-hmm. the hell. I oh, am. yeah. He was Genghis Khan. Genghis Khan. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah. I, I love how when he was Genghis Khan, he didn't really change or anything. He At all. Still... <laughs> he was the same character that he was when he would play Davy Crockett, which, yeah. yeah, that makes sense. John Wayne playing Davy Crockett. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, but uh, Warren Beatty, he also ducked out of this one uh, playing the role of Sundance, saying that, well, uh, it's too much like another Bonnie and Clyde movie, and I, I've already done Clyde. But. Yeah, I, I don't see the connection yeah. between Bonnie and Clyde and mm-hmm. Butch and Sundance, other than it's two names. But other yeah. than that, they're different genres. They're different. No. They're different everything. Well, and Warren Beatty, this is the same guy that they almost cast, or they they really wanted to cast as Rocky Balboa in in Rocky, but Sylvester Stallone held out. Like I don't get it. Warren Beatty's just not that awesome of an actor i can't think of much that he's been in that's excellent other than movies he's just a supporting role in yeah. you know but not as far as the lead actor i i've, I've just never been like enthralled by him. didn't he get a gerbil stuck in his butt oh that's richard richard gear sorry he, yeah I, i'm not thing. i'm not that thrilled about him either yeah but warren Beatty, for all i know he might have got a gerbil stuck up his butt well, let's ask annette benning possibly he never got the gerbil stuck up his butt, which yeah, maybe he's just more experienced. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't get stuck when you know how to do it, Richard Gear. So Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, even though they had differences, mm-hmm. uh, they did star in a movie later together, right? Yes, they did. They got bit together for the Towering Inferno, and they got along just fine on set. It seems like there was just some some thought differences they had steve mcqueen he's you know very what uh a personality yeah he's very brash yeah and and i think and and he's done uh westerns yeah yeah so i think he was probably going with more of the 1950s style westerns that he was used to and uh paul newman i think saw this movie for what it was so jacqueline Bissett was the first person up for the role of at a place at a place yeah uh jacqueline Bissett, uh she played with um she played uh paul newman's daughter in the life and times of the judge roy bean have you seen that movie i have not seen that i think i talked to you about that one it's a <laughs> you um you did you told yeah. me about it last week it's interesting <laughs> i mean i've i've heard of it i've just never gotten around to watching it I, yeah you'll love uh lily langtree because if not then judge roy bean will have you hung you know what's interesting about uh, butch cassie and sundance kid is a lot of it was filmed here in utah yeah in fact sure i think all of it, it yeah uh um, down around saint george and yeah, uh, zion's, zion's park. national park mm-hmm. and stuff so i know there's still some places you can go visit down there and yeah see and, where they filmed and uh i mean it, it it fits because a lot of the a lot of these things took place in Utah. Yeah. Um, you know, like, yeah, I mean, of, Robert Leroy Parker, I believe yeah. he was, if I remember my credentials right here that I did my report on 35 years ago mm-hmm. or something like that. He was born in Colorado. Um, I can't even think of the town name, but he spent mm-hmm. a lot of his time here yeah. in Utah. Yeah. His family's from Utah. Um, Circleville. I want to say. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, Circleville. It's, it's down south. It's kind of like by Beaver, Utah. And so it's out in the middle of freaking nowhere. And let me tell you, I got, I got into a little bit of a rabbit hole going down the um, the uh, Robert Leroy Butch Cassidy uh, Parker so history. He was born in Beaver, Utah. He was born in Beaver, Utah. I don't know okay. where I'm getting the Colorado stuff from. Um, he did a lot of time in Colorado. Yeah, maybe that's what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. But uh, also in Wyoming, um, let's see. He robbed a bank up in Montpelier, Idaho. Uh, yeah, we've been to that bank a yeah. couple times. Uh, wrestled cattle in Wyoming. You can't see much of that bank. It's been covered by uh, the mud flood. Yep, exactly. And um, the let's see. So he had this really interesting brand 
that he developed while he was uh, ranching in Wyoming. And this it was the uh, Reverse E Box E brand. And so he's got backwards E on the front of it, a box in the middle, and then E off the, the back end. And this brand is how they rustled cattle from their neighbors because they could basically overlay that brand over any of their neighbor's cattle brand and steal their cattle. Because it would fit. It would fit like 90% of their neighbors, <laughs> depending on what kind of uh, brand they had. So this movie was reject- rejected by a lot of the studios up front, right? Yeah, when they first went around lo- with the screenplay, um, trying to get somebody to pick it up, a lot of the studios are like, oh no, you can't have these guys running off to South America. These guys have to stand and fight. Well, first of all, that was the story. That's the true yeah. story. I, uh-huh. I don't understand if you're telling the story how that, it, what are you supposed to do? Change it? Yeah, well, I guess so. They're like, oh, hey, John Wayne doesn't run away to Bolivia. That's what one, uh, that's a direct quote from one of the studio executives. It's like, this is not a John Wayne movie, idiot. He can, barely, he can barely walk. I highly doubt he can run. Yeah, for sure. Plus, by the way, Clint Eastwood can kick John Wayne's ass. We've discussed yeah. this before. Mm-hmm. But so uh, can Butch Cassidy. Yeah, Paul Newman can kick John Wayne's ass. Well, so can Robert Redford. Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm sure Catherine Ross probably can. Oh, I'd I definitely put money on Catherine yeah. Ross. And there's no doubt Ted Cassidy mm-hmm. would lurch, would oh, put yeah. the smack lurch. down on him. <laughs> He's taller than than uh the duke i'm not a big john wayne fan in case you didn't know no i i I think that uh the duke is a very appropriate nickname for him it is in the context of referring to like dog excrement as duke yes a dookie yeah exactly the duke yeah um so should we go through the synopsis of this let's do it all right so the movie opens up with butch cassidy casing a bank looking to see how they're going to go about robbing it and he's a little disappointed because the bank has <laughs> very very extreme high, yeah. extremely high security oh there's guns all over the place there's marshals and uh, security guards and safes and bars and yeah bars on the windows uh, shutters on the windows and at closing time they lock that that place up like Fort Knox well, and here, here's the funny thing about Butch Cassidy is he was a very um, gentle criminal, if yeah. you will. <laughs> um, in fact, didn't even commit, according to him, any mm-hmm. murders until he was down in Bolivia and didn't, didn't have a choice, right? Yep, that's right. So he, he was a very, you know, a lot of people said he was very gentle yeah. to people. He, <laughs> I, I guess, I, I don't know how you put it, you know, if you're tying up the stagecoach yeah, driver. Very, very kind like person. That, didn't, uh, he wasn't out just to kill for the sport of killing, exactly. right? And th- there were some brutal, um, there, there were some brutal gunmen and outlaws mm-hmm. in the time. Yeah. But Butch Cassidy wasn't one of those. He wasn't bloodthirsty. No, he was just, just wanted to rob everything. Yeah. And that's fun. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I mean, all you're doing is taking money. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go ahead, Tyler. That's all right. Uh, so then, uh, being disappointed with the bank, he goes over to where Sundance is sitting at a card table playing cards. And uh, he gets accused of cheating. Even though he keeps winning and they accuse him of cheating. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he insists that he wasn't cheating. They were just crappy card players. <laughs> so Butch Cassidy comes in to get him out of there and comes into a rather tense situation because these guys are ready to um, to do some gunslinging, not knowing that this is the Sundance kid. Yeah, the sharpshooter. Yeah. Now, can I throw a little uh, juicy detail about Sundance? Interject whatever you like. So I, when I was born, was almost named Sundance. That's what my dad wanted to name me. Really? Yes. I like that. And my mother apparently said no so let's see was your father he wasn't of the the flower children movement was he uh my father graduated in 1973 yeah so so he 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 could have been a peaceful hippie type but kind of on the tail end but he did like butch casty and sundance Mm -hmm. kid quite a bit the movie he liked reading about him and things like that so he wanted to name me either sundance or emerson so if your mom would have been a hippie if she would have been, you know, the long hair and beads 
wearing hippie, you probably would have been named Sundance. I probably would have. And it's just kind of interesting that I almost was named Sundance, but mm-hmm. I later took on the nickname of yeah. Butch. Yeah, it is so, interesting. Interesting. Because, you know, Sundance, when you think about it from like the flower child perspective, it's kind of a pretty name, isn't it? Like, you know, Sunshine or Moonflower. Sort of yeah, thing. and it'd be a horrible yeah. name to live with. Yeah, it would. Yeah. But in the context of being named after the Sundance kid, that's a pretty pretty hardcore name. It is. I like it. So Sundance shows off his gunslinging talents to these people. He sure does. Because yeah. uh, the, the guy really wants to know. He's like, well, shoot, if I draw on you, you're going to kill me. Yeah. And... He's, like, he's right. Well, yeah, he's he's absolutely right. Because as they're about to leave, he says, are you really as fast as people say you are? And he shows off, yeah. Shoots the, the gun out of the guy's holster and then across the floor. Yep. So, yeah, it's, it's impressive. Then, uh, from the, and all of this is in, uh, what, uh, black and white or sepia tone? Yeah, it's kind of a sepia tone. Yeah, yeah. more yeah. brown and white. Yeah, yeah, and on purpose, obviously. Exactly. They're yeah. trying to get a historical movie here. Yeah, but then from there it changes into color, and you, you got Butch and Sundance return to their hideout where their gang is waiting impatiently because uh, they're kind of sick and tired of Butch taking off all the time. Yeah, he's gone all the time. They're pissed yeah. off. They've appointed a new leader, Harvey yep. Logan. Lurch. Harvey Logan Lurch is the new leader, yes. and he is imposing. And, uh, you know, Butch said anybody could challenge him to be leader of the gang, mm-hmm. but he never expected anybody would do it. Yeah, especially the biggest son of a bitch there. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So then the big son of a bitch says, all right, what's it going to be, guns or knives? And Butch says, I'm not, I don't want to shoot with you. And he's like, all right, knives it is. <laughs> yep. And, and he does win. Butch wins. He does. He's a little crafty. Yeah, he had to cheat a little bit. Yeah, you have to when you're going up against Lurch. You know, yeah, this... I mean, he's a foot taller than you, for hell's <laughs> yeah, sakes. I for mean, sure. Yeah, what are you going to do? But he does win. He does. Uh, kicks him in the nuts and then smacks him until he, you know, smacks him double-fisted and knocks him out. So. Yep. And then uh, they start talking about, well, what are their plans? Because the bank's no good. And they said, well, we're going to rob the train. And uh, they said, well, you know, Harvey's idea was to rob the train both times because mm-hmm. you know after robbing it on the way there they'll have it even more loaded thinking it's not going to get robbed exactly the time they'd on never the way expect it yeah. yeah and he wasn't wrong uh so they go and they rob the the train and uh things go over pretty good the uh inside the baggage cars where the safe is and it's got a lot of money in it being guarded by uh, what, 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 how would you describe this guy? Just the epitome of a Boy Scout, right? Well, doesn't his name say it all? Woodcock. Woodcock. <laughs> Woodcock. I love that name. Now, I assume that's not historically correct, and that is... And uh, I don't a, think it matters. A fictional, yeah. fictional person, which... That's an amazing name, Woodcock. Yeah, it is. Now, if my dad would have named me Woodcock, uh-huh. I would have stuck with that one. Oh, yeah, you would have. Yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, you would have taken a little shit for a while, but after a while, you know, after... By the time you hit college, yeah, you're yeah, going to have a rep. Yeah, you'd be synonymous yeah. with it, yes. Uh-huh. So, yeah, he he's not going to give this up. He's been appointed to guard this money by the president of the company, company Mr. E.H. Harriman himself. Mm-hmm. And so he's he's taking his job seriously. He's not going to give it up. And they so obviously they have to get in there somehow. They blow up the doors to the to the car, and in the process, this guy poor uh, Woodcock gets he gets injured. But they they get the safe, they get the money, and they ride off. Yeah. Um, and you know they end up hiding out in this uh, nearby town. The sheriff of the town feels it's his obligation. To muster up a posse. But he has a tough time at it, doesn't he? Yeah. Nobody really wants to go riding after um, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid and the Hole in the Wall gang, as they're known. Yeah, it's not... They don't feel like it's going to turn out very well if they go after him. No. I mean, that's probably the easiest Yeah, so he says, well, you know, how many of you can uh, bring your own horse and nobody raises their hand? Well, how many of you are can provide your own guns nobody raises their hand how many of you are expecting me to provide you with guns nobody raises their hands <laughs> yeah yeah and meanwhile butch cassie and the sundance kid are sitting up on this balcony at the brothel just 
you know, watching all of this go down. <laughs> yep. Yeah, nobody's coming after us, I guess. Yeah. yeah. This, this sheriff is really trying his darndest, though. He's given them the the pep talk, the, you know, uh, the patriot talk. He's also shaming them. He's doing whatever he can to whip them into into action, and nobody's biting. Except for one gentleman, a salesman. Yep. Takes advantage of the opportunity to bring the future to this little town. Yep, a bike. A bicycle. Yep. <laughs> a, a new contraption, and nobody's seen one before. And Butch Cassidy's a little intrigued by it. But uh, they're also, you know, he's also intrigued by the ladies at this uh, brothel. And the Sundance kid, well, he's decided he's going to go off and find his own lady. The bicycle, when they're riding, it always reminds me of this song, you know, Raindrops Keep Falling yeah. on My Head, you know, mm-hmm. B.J. Thomas, who just yeah. passed away this past year, by the way. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, uh, which is, you know, to talk about right that, that right now, that is the strangest song mm-hmm. for this movie, and you wouldn't think in the... Yeah for the life of anyone that it would work, but it does. Well, and that's something that, um, at the time people hated it. Yeah. Because there was this anachronism that like, okay, you know, we're watching a movie about a hundred, about a hundred years ago or what? No, this would be the late 1800s, early 1900s. Yeah. I mean, you're talking at least 80 years old. Yeah. You know, or a story that's 80 years old that you're depicting and And you've got modern music playing. Yeah. It, you know the funny thing is is it it fits and maybe yeah. that's just because i know it so well mm-hmm. and i've seen it so many times that it, it does fit mm-hmm. but i can also see at the same time why it would seem strange but yeah. what what are you supposed to play some kind of fiddle or well, exactly. banjo or um, something i mean yeah had, had it been some sort of john wayne western then of course we'd have the the typical western music yeah the cinematic yeah. western style music which i think this fits perfect into it it does it it really does and the it it keeps in mind that while this may take place in the old west it's not necessarily that old of a west this is the changing west this is where civilization's coming and moving in yeah you're starting to see cars and and certain things well maybe not right now but i mean in the very very near future yeah outlaws are starting to go to the wayside they're all they're all going to prison is what they're doing exactly ba- yeah. basically you're having law and order mm-hmm. yeah happen civilizations and, coming in yes yeah so like society but i i i just love that's my favorite part of him mm-hmm. riding the bicycle and he's he's like a bmx expert or something he's, on he's it. pretty I mean, good for somebody that has never ridden a bicycle before he's very steady very uh, sure of himself on it and then starts turning tricks on this thing see i have my doubts about that i find mm-hmm. that to be the one of the neater parts of the film but also one of the most unbelievable because i don't feel like a grown man could ride a bicycle i'm very curious uh how how they did that because i mean this is obviously paul newman yeah um and he's in a lot of different positions on this bicycle How's he able to pull this off is what I'm wondering. I, I remember watching a documentary about the filming of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, and I can't remember how how they said he did this. <laughs> well, it, it's just strange because I don't feel like someone, you know, bicycles not being around, mm-hmm. how would someone just get on one and know how to ride it? Exactly. This is an Oliver Stoneism. Yeah, once again. He, he really could have had a heavy hand in this. Yes. But it, it wasn't too far off so, because it, it probably would have been a private jet if it yeah. would have been Oliver Stone. Mm-hmm. So we're about to go into the second uh, half of this movie because after this whole thing with Etta Place, um, they're going to rob the train the second time on the way back. But uh, it, for now, let's, uh, let's pause there, go to a quick break. And, okay. So... Um, here's about the middle of the movie. Hedda. Yeah. Hedda's pretty hot. Yeah, she is. And, um... I mean, for a 19th century fox. Yeah, she is a 19th century fox. Not a 20th century fox. Or a 19th century fox played by a 20th century fox. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Um, she's a, a very attractive young lady. And, uh... She's what? Uh, she's quite a bit younger than Paul Newman. Fifteen years younger than Paul Newman. Yeah, and uh, yet 
she's four years younger than Robert Redford. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's not terribly, uh, uh, not a huge gap there. But no, yeah. Paul Newman, Robin the Cradle a little bit. Yes, he is. Yeah, although they have an interesting kind of hippie type relationship, these three, where these guys, they both kind of, well, I guess um, Butch Cassidy and Etta, there is more of like a playful banter kind of flirtatious relationship. Um, nothing serious about it, but I mean, they're just having fun. And uh, the Sundance kid, he's romantically involved with Edda. They're the ones yeah. sharing the bed. And yet, uh, Butch Cassidy's always making jokes about stealing her. I think there's stuff. some threesomes going on behind the scenes here. Seems like it. Yeah. Yeah. So this is when they get ready to rob the train on its return trip, yeah. correct? That's right. The return trip. So the gang gets back together. And because uh, nobody's ever robbed the train on the return trip before. And I love it. Woodcock's there again. He is. He's bandaged up, but he's in he's in rough shape. I mean, he's, he, he suffered some injuries from the previous one. And you know, Butch was concerned about him. He was worried about him. And so he's, he's actually very happy to see him the second go around. And Woodcock almost opens the door just at hearing Butch's voice. But uh, he's, you know, you, you, you can't trick me into opening up the door for you, Butch. And, then something doesn't go to plan. They get a little surprised. There's a, a little old lady that comes off the train, and she's a big burly grandma that's you know not going to be pushed around by some bandits. And uh, she goes to protest against this whole uh, train robbing incident. And, uh, well, from what Woodcock can hear on the other side of the door... It, it's not going well. She's being uh, attacked, and she starts uh, reciting the Lord's Prayer, and it's about that time that he opens the door, and, uh, well, this lady's just uh, been subdued. Um, it proves Woodcock had a yeah. decent, uh, mm-hmm. he, he at least cared. Yeah. Yeah, even though yeah. he was kind of beat up. and Yeah, he, well, I mean, he had to do something. He couldn't let this uh, this old lady get, uh, there's some decency there. You, yeah. You, yeah, you don't want to see an elderly woman get roughed up by some Plus, bandits. it's really not Woodcock's money anyways, let's be honest. No, it's not. And he finds that, well, the lady's okay. She's been subdued and, um, you know, what, uh, restrained mm-hmm. by the gang members. And Butch Cassidy's imitating her voice, reciting yeah. the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> <laughs> so so they yeah. go to blow up the safe, right? But it's yeah. been reinforced. This yeah, time. it's a different safe. This is yeah. a big safe. Yeah. yeah, which means a lot of money. A lot of money, a lot of dynamite needed to to bust it open. Yeah. So Butch Cassidy gets all the dynamite he can and starts loading the safe up around with it. And uh, it... Uh, yeah, it, it blows the safe open, blows the whole damn uh, car uh, carriage away, and it rains, man. Yeah, it, it rains, rains money. money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it rains money. On, uh, yeah, it, it, I was gonna say like uh, in a strip club, but after tax return season, but I I don't know if that really fits. It's raining though. It's coming from everywhere. Inter- interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Analogy. And uh, yeah. Robert Redford looks over at Paul Newman and says, well, you think he's dynamite there, Butch? <laughs> <laughs> there's some there's some pretty good lines in this movie. Yeah, there is. There's yeah. a lot of good lines in this music, that, or this movie. That's mm-hmm. where uh, the second train starts coming by. Yeah, they're surprised by a second train. And yeah. they're, they're kind of watching this train pull up, and the train pulls up, and then uh, there's only one uh, carriage on this train. It's a boxcar. Boxcar opens up. Uh, it stops about half a mile behind them or so. Boxcar opens up and out jump a whole bunch of riders on horseback. The police. The police. They're coming after them. And they're riding down on pretty hard. So Butch and Sundance jump on their horses and tell the other guys, hey, leave the money. Let, we got to get out of here. Um, they shoot and they hit... Uh, one of the gang members. Yeah, one of the gang. Yeah. I don't know his name, but one of them. Yeah, and uh, so they're like, well, dang, these guys mean business. So they they take off. And uh, Butch Cassidy's gang, they would, after a robbery, they would split up. 
it, it was pretty common for him to uh, evade the capture by going each going their own different direction and finding their own way back to the hideout. So that was their plan. But all the posse that's after them keeps going after Butch and Sundance. They're not interested in any of the other guys. And they're kind of curious about this because this posse, they're pretty intense. They're very uniform. They're very, they're faceless. They're nameless. They're very machine-like in the in their pursuit. They don't get tired. They don't slow down. They don't speed up. They just maintain this constant pace going after Butch and Sundance. And it scares the crap out of them. You know, for this being just, it's kind of a drawn out sequence. Yeah. It's a long chase. But I think it has to be that way in order to... to, to it kind of drives that yeah, point home, you know. Yeah. There, there's some there's a mm-hmm. reason they're after Butch and Sundance alone, yeah. right? Not, mm-hmm. just, not just the hole in the wall game. Exactly. I mean, because we, we get this sense in in the previous scenes, like with the the sheriff trying to wrestle up a posse and he's not having a lot of success. Well, that's the old West way of doing things. Well, now there's a new West way of doing things. And that's that you're not relying on the local police to take care of it. Uh, this is what the railroad owners have hired. This is their own personal police. Yeah. Yeah. And this is, <laughs> these guys are unrelenting. They, and so they pursue him and, uh, Butch and Sundance, they figure, okay, we'll we'll shake them the same way that we've always shaken the old marshals and uh, sheriffs and every pro- posse that's gone after us before. We go to our favorite hideouts and we get you know our favorite people to cover for us. And this is where Chorus Leachman makes her entrance, and uh, Paul Newman's trying to forget all about what's going on and relax. Robert Redford, he's not so easy to. Uh, to let down his hair just yet. He's he's wound up pretty tight. And right rightfully so. The posse yeah. comes into town. They uh the the guy that they've taken to cover for them, he's pointed them off uh in the wrong direction. The posse rides out of town. That's supposed to be it. A few minutes later, the posse comes back and they're shaking down this poor guy who throws his hands up in the air and Points them over right in the direction of where Sundance and Butch are. So the chase is on again. They uh, they go and try to scatter the horses. The horses are too well trained. They won't get out of there. Try smacking them, shouting at them, cursing at them. They won't budge. And so Sundance is like, leave the horses. We gotta get out of here ourselves. So in the middle of the night, they take off. And then they turn around to watch their pursuers come after them with either lanterns or torches. They've got each of them has a light, and uh, they're pursuing them in the no, dead of night. No flashlights. No flashlights. No flashlights. Not yet. That that's uh, still part of the future. Yeah, yeah. The electricity is coming, and uh, so is this posse. And they're, they're being tracked over rocks. They're being tracked through rivers and. You know, put uh, through ways that they shouldn't be able to be tracked. They're throwing every trick that they can think of at these uh, at this posse, and this posse is just they keep coming, and uh, they're convinced that they have a a guide or a a tracker um, that's got an English name, and he goes by uh, what's he, Lord Baltimore, I think. That sounds right. Yeah. Uh, sounds right off as I you know roll it off my tongue, but <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Um, and then they start to wonder, well, you know, who else is is there? Who's the toughest uh, cop at, or toughest lawman out there? And they say, well, that's uh, Joe LaFors. And Joe LaFors is uh, he wears this iconic skimmer type hat, which. Um, if you're wondering what a skimmer hat is, if you've ever seen like a barbershop quartet, that's the kind of hat that these barbershop quartet types have. The they're kind of goofy looking they hats. Are. Yeah. They're very, uh, iconic of the turn of the century and, uh, everybody who's anybody back in the 19, early 1900s wore a skimmer hat, right? We should get skimmer hats. We should. It'd yeah. be fun for this podcast. They would. <laughs> yeah. So... Um, this 
this posse is bearing down on them. They chase them up into the mountains, and the Butch and Sundance find the, their backs up against, well, I want to say a wall, but it's more of a, it's a, a, it's a, a cliff. cliff. Yeah. yeah, with a huge raging river below it. Yeah, that's yeah. about 200 feet below. Yeah. It, it's a big jump to get down to this raging a river. A thousand feet in all of the yeah. stone talk. Exactly. So, yeah. it, you know, five miles down <laughs> yes. is a raging river, and uh, Sundance can't swim. He's reluctant to give that information up, but eventually it comes out. He doesn't know yeah. how to swim. And Butch Cassidy looks at him and says, you stupid. The fall will probably kill you. Yeah. 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 You don't need to worry about swimming. Yeah. I mean, f- falling five miles will be really tough on your body. Yeah. So just as the uh, pursuing posse is coming up over the, the ridge and they're faced with, do we shoot it out with a gunfight or do we... Uh, turn tail and run a last minute decision they decide to turn tail and run and jump into this river and it's quite a jump and yeah they end up surviving miraculously yeah sundance does all right yeah um butch takes off his gun belt and hands the one end of it to sundance and he holds the other end and so that way they're connected they're they're tethered yeah so he's not going to let his friend die but uh yeah, even so, it's quite a jump. Uh, so they make their way back to Edda Place, and they try to find out what the heck is going on with all of this. And uh, in the in the midst of trying to evade this posse, they come across one of their uh, a more friendly sheriff that they've uh, had encounters with before. And the sheriff says, "Well, you guys are screwed." Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. they they are trying to convince him to help them and things like that. What yeah. can we do? You know, I mean, this, offering but... to like, hey, we'll enlist in the army. It, exactly, yeah. but he basically tells them, uh, "There ain't <laughs> shit you're gonna do. No, they're coming to get you. You better flee. You better get the hell out of yeah. here." And that's when they decide that, okay, we're gonna go to Bolivia. Mm-hmm. I'm not quite sure why they chose Bolivia. Oh, it seems like uh, Butch Cassidy read somewhere some some interesting things about Bolivia that all oh, they were there was a big uh, you know like economy boom going on down there. They had a lot of rich mines, a lot of you know fat banks, and uh, so at the same time, yeah. him wanting to get away as yeah. quick as possible, he's also thinking, you know, <laughs> we can get away down here, but then we can start robbing these places. That's right. Yeah. So um, you can't uh, leopard can't can't change his spots, right? Yeah. So that's what uh, they decide to do. They're going to go to Bolivia via New York City. Yeah. And so you know they they flee from the police and. You know, go and have a good time in New York and uh, great sequence there uh, through a bunch of still pic- photographs and pictures of them like at Coney Island and Atlantic City and you know, a bunch of the, the yeah, fun the places. World, the World York. Trade Centers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They, yeah, they go to the top of the Empire State Building. Yeah. And uh, yeah. sorry that that part is incorrect they, yeah they the real authentic rays at uh on 13th street not you know the pizza from the best pizza joined in yeah the real rays exactly on 13th, catch, not the one on catch a couple shows on broadway yeah exactly yeah. wicked was playing at the time yeah i mean you do all the things you do in new york yeah, right exactly yes and then they end up in bolivia <laughs> exactly and, and guess what <laughs> bolivia isn't at all what they thought it was going to be in fact yeah how did you label this is what they As thought it was a shithole. Yes. Robert Redford is not impressed <laughs> as you have written here, a depressing shithole. Yeah, exactly. And you mean Sundance isn't it? Sundance is not impressed. I don't think Robert Redford is either. No, uh, he's in here just like, um, I, I much prefer the mountains of Utah, but, uh, I wonder where that scene was filmed. I um, wonder if that was in Southern Utah. I'm sure it was. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that a lot of these sets were probably um, Cedar City, city. since Cedar City is like a shithole. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay. that's what it looks like. It, it looks like Cedar City. Okay, we'll call it that then. Yeah, um, and they, boy, this uh, so so they're di- disappointed that Bolivia is not everything that uh, uh, Butch Cassidy made it out to be. No, but here they are, and of course it wasn't. You know, it was just some things he'd read and heard yeah. and things like that, and. 
not to mention the language is a barrier for them here too. You know, when they're trying yeah. to, you know, if they want to go case these places out and rob these <laughs> places, you know, how are they going to communicate this? Yeah. I'm not sure what Butch was thinking. Um, I, I don't know if he had any experience with Spanish previously, but he certainly didn't have a working knowledge of the language. No, he didn't. No, they go into their first bank to case it out and see what, going to take to throw this bank over and one of the officers there in the bank is just you know happily talking along to him in spanish just yeah blabbering off and they don't understand any of it they decide it's yeah. probably not best to rob this yet since we don't even know how yeah. to tell them we're robbing the bank and sundance was really relying heavily on butch to yeah. handle the talking part and butch's instinct is just to turn around and walk out as soon as this, uh, as soon as he can't understand the Spanish that's coming out of this guard's mouth. So they decide, you know, it's not the right time. And they have Etta yeah. teach him some, a few Spanish phrases and yeah. things like that to help mm -hmm. him, you know, stick your hands up. Put, exactly. Manos arriba. In, yeah, put the money <laughs> in the bag. That's right. Uh, Everybody up against the wall and sort yeah. of stuff. Where's the cold water? That's just right. different things like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Donde está el baño sí, so verde. Was grande verde mm -hmm. tostada. That's right. Yes. Del nachos. See. Si. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's about the extent, right, mm -hmm. of the Spanish they learn. Yeah. So um, they're able to successfully pull off, <laughs> with a little difficulty, they're able to pull off their first robbery. And they start to get a, uh, they start making a name for themselves. Los Banditos Yankees. <laughs> yeah, everybody knows who the Yankee Bandits are. Yes. And um, yeah, they're so, kind of hard to miss, right? They don't, yeah. <laughs> they, they don't fit in quite as well as they do in America. Oh, especially, well, I mean, here you got two guys who are as white as white. And one of them's blonde hair. The other one's bright blue eyes and gray hair. And yeah. they, they are just not your local Bolivian exactly. flavor. But, um, and, and they get in at a uh, place involved in these robberies as well. She starts having a good time participating with them. And, uh, then their fun is cut short because they see it. They see a lawman with yeah, they see a skimmer a, hat, a lawman with a skimmer hat. And they're like, Oh crap. It's Joe LaForge. Yeah. It reminds them of yeah. that because I mean, like you were saying, the skimmer hats yeah. are pretty popular in the States at the time yeah. or in America at the time, but mm -hmm. not in Bolivia. So it raises the question, what do they do? Because they go straight. Yeah. He's like, if we don't break any laws, then they've got nothing on us. Exactly. So, we we'll, get real jobs. Yeah, real you jobs. Know, McDonald's yeah. in the evening time or whatever they can do. <laughs> exactly. Just got something minimum wage, low key, you know, flipping burgers. And because uh, they tried ranching, or at least Butch says he tried ranching and it didn't take very well. So uh, they decide they're going to become security guards for uh, this local mine that keeps having a problem with the payroll getting robbed. So yeah, so let's yeah. hire a couple of the <laughs> largest uh, yeah. heisters mm -hmm. <laughs> in the world to guard, guard the payroll. Good well, idea. Convenient for these guys. This um, The guy who hires them, this mine boss, he has no idea who they are. So, <laughs> in fact, he really doubts their ability. Um, the he actor apparently, he apparently hadn't been reading the newspapers. Yeah. The actor that plays this uh, this boss, he was also with Paul Newman in Cool Hand Luke. Uh, he's the guy who famously coined the phrase, "What we have here is a failure to communicate." Yes, he is. <laughs> which is also coined in that exact line mm -hmm. in a Guns N' Roses song. That's right. So, so it's a <laughs> this guy. He's very iconic as an actor. Very well known, but uh, he has no idea who Butch and Sundance are. And uh, Sundance uh, is supposed to be is supposed supposed to prove his abilities. Like, can you shoot this? You know, he, he takes a plug of tobacco and throws it out there about thirty feet, and Sundance, you know, puts his gun in his holster, gets ready to do his thing, and the guy's like, "No, no, you can't shoot it with your gun in your holster. Pull your gun out, aim at it, and shoot it." And he's like. 
okay. So he shoots and he misses it. He's like, oh, he's like, do you mind if I move? He's like, what? And then he, you know, puts his gun back in his holster, whips out real quick and, you know, shoots this plug two or three times soft down the road. Mm -hmm. And the, uh, the guy's like, what the devil? He's like, yeah, I'm better when I move. (laughs) (laughs) So this is their, their new job. They're going to be guarding this payroll. And, uh, their very first trip, it looks like they get held up by bandits. The, uh, the boss gets killed. Yeah. The boss is killed by the bandits. Yep. Bandits. They just want the money. So Butch and Sundance throw them the money. And, uh, then they feel an obligation to get the money back. So they kill the bandits. Yeah. And this is where Butch reveals that he's never actually killed anybody before. (laughs) Yeah. And it's where they decide that after this long tenure of going Mm -hmm. straight, it's just not for Yeah, them. this just isn't for us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we've really tried hard for these last 10 minutes, but yeah, my hell, this just isn't working. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, Etta Place has decided that she can't watch these guys die, so she's taken off back to the United States. That's the last we see of Catherine Ross. But um, Butch and Sundance, uh, they hit into this little Hacienda, Pueblo, what would you call this place? Yeah. There's a canteen canteen. there. They're going to get a drink. Yeah. It's where their donkey gets them in all kinds of shit. Yeah. Yeah. They kept the donkey from the mine and one of the local kids who's, you know, supposed to, I guess he's the local valet that goes and parks your donkey for you. Yeah. Yeah. He recognizes the brand. So then he turns these guys in and uh, alerts local police. The local police uh, surround them in this cantina. And uh, also, at the same time, they call up the Bolivian army, who happened to be just, you know, in the neighborhood. Yeah, these guys knew what they were doing. You know, yeah. this whole time in the States or in mm-hmm. America, they couldn't do this. But, yeah. you know, Bolivia don't dick around. No, they, they like, put a stop to it. Yeah, we've got these Yankee bandits down here, and they're in a yeah. cantina. They've mm-hmm. stolen a donkey. We're yeah, get, that's we're good enough for real us. shit right here. Let's kill them. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. And it worked. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is a very intense uh, final gunfight, and uh, they have to go and get uh, some more ammunition halfway through. Yeah. And so they go out to the, or <laughs> yeah, they run out there, and uh, Sundance has to provide cover fire for Butch while Butch is making his way to the, uh, to the donkey to get the extra ammunition. They barely make it in alive with their skin still intact, sort of. There's a few holes in them at that point, but they they're still convinced that they can blast their way out of this. I mean, it's Bolivia. They're it's not like they're up against the fours, is it? Exactly. Yeah. In fact, they say as much. Oh, wait, you didn't see the fours out there, did you? And meanwhile, unbeknownst to them, but beknownst to us, the viewer, we've seen the Bolivian army. Uh, line up uh, shoulder to shoulder surrounding this entire place and uh, all these guys care about us all at least there's not an American uh, lawman out there to kill us (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah uh, but otherwise it's this Bolivian army that can do what the Americans haven't been able to do yeah now you know it's it's an interesting way the movie ends because Mm -hmm. it ends in like still shots still shot yeah you know Um, yeah the, the sound goes on the the um action stops yes yeah. and so insinuating yeah. that they're shot and killed which is in the yeah in the true story of butch cassidy mm-hmm. many people think that's where they're killed but that's there, the question but yeah. there are a lot of rumors yeah. past that, that butch cassidy lived yeah. a long life after that including the parker family believes that um robert Leroy. Uh, made it back to Utah, made amends with his father, who was very disappointed at the life of crime that he'd chosen to live. Uh, some of his family members said that he settled down up in Washington State and eventually died of pneumonia um, somewhere in the 18, or 1930s. Um, others said that he lived much longer than that, uh, all the way up until the 50s the thing that makes that somewhat hard to believe is the fact that they couldn't last five minutes going straight down in bolivia yeah. so how <laughs> coming back here was he able to do it you well know? And, yeah butch did get his nickname uh by working in a butcher shop he was mm-hmm. you know 
Up in Rock Springs. Yeah, in Rock Springs, Wyoming. Uh, held down a job there, and that's why they called him Butch. Uh, but, um, you know, so he was capable of work. But Yeah, it just... You know, it, crime paid a lot better. You know, who knows? Because the story from Bolivia had to come from someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe that story came from Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid. Could y- be. You know, who, who knows? Well, And what a great cover, right? Yeah, I mean... It's hard to say, you know, (laughs) I don't think they had their location turned on on their cell phones. And so, yeah, so it's really hard to say. Apple wasn't able to track the GPS. No, (laughs) but we're still looking into that. Yeah. Yeah. But it is curious because um, they did do uh, some excavation down at the Parker Ranch um, in the mid-century. And they did come across um, part of a spine and uh, let's see, I think it was a toe bone. Yeah, I believe it was yeah. some kind of foot bone. Yeah. It, it was kind of strange because like, it wasn't a whole skeleton, but it was enough of a skeleton that could have been left behind if you were exhuming a, a corpse and then moving it, right? So that's kind of the theory, is that maybe the Parker family tried to hide Robert's, Robert Roy Parker's body. Um. But, I mean, that, that's kind of the, the mystery of it. And that's kind of the fun thing about this is uh, if you if you get digging into the history of Butch Cassidy, there's so much mystery around what happened to him, what the end of his life really was. Because, I mean, there's the official story. But, I mean, you still have that even with Billy the Kid, yeah. you know. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, Billy the Kid was obviously killed, or, I mean, apparently yeah. killed by Pat Garrett and all this mm-hmm. and that. But then, yeah. you know, even Young Guns 2 goes into that whole yeah. uh thing about how he lived way mm-hmm. past that and never was murdered because it was his friend yeah. that murdered him right and i do remember an episode of uh uh unsolved mysteries when i was a kid that showed that um billy the kid there uh there was a guy who claimed to be billy the kid in like the 60s and he he had all the bullet holes on his body where billy the kid had been shot so I was thinking it was a little earlier than that. I was thinking it was yeah. more like the thirties. Yeah, I think you're right. But, e- but either way, you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm with you. Yeah. there. Yeah. It, that's what young guns too was loosely based on. It really of, is, is, that, yeah. is that guy. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the same things with Butch Cassidy could have happened, you know, I mean, it, it's mm-hmm. hard to say, you yeah. know, maybe he did make it back. Maybe that whole story in Bolivia was mm-hmm. made up and to give him, give him some cover and live yeah. a, long fruitful life is robert leroy parker and this this movie really was an excellent movie of the 60s because it really envelops that spirit of the 60s where things are changing where things are are not the way they used to be and so if you're going to be a part of the future you too must adapt and change to be a part of the future as well well, and that's Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, yeah. and that movie wouldn't have been the same, I can't imagine, <laughs> without Paul Newman and no. uh, Robert Redford. Obviously, Paul Newman, like you said, was a choice from the yeah. beginning, but it was Steve have... McQueen, very different movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, definitely Steve... different movie if you had John Wayne as Butch Cassidy. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. No, we wouldn't. I yeah. wouldn't anyways. But... No, that would have been just you know a mess. I'd rather talk about McClintock than... John Wayne Butch Cassidy. So that's our movie review for the week. Mm-hmm. I hope you guys liked it. Yep. Um, we're certainly open to any suggestions you have for other movie reviews mm-hmm. um, or topics to speak about. Yeah, and send us an email telling you what, tell us what you thought about this movie. Yeah. Is it a decent Western? Is it number seven of all time? I think it is. I think it's even higher yeah. than that. But, mm-hmm. you know, you can reach us at aboutwhatpod at gmail.com. You can reach us on Instagram at aboutwhatpod. Uh, reach out to us, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Yeah, give us a like. Give us a five-star review. Please do. Share us with your friends. Let us know what you want us to do different or any new topics you want us to dis- discuss. But That's right. Until next time. Next time, we'll see you. See you.